Hello, and welcome to another Register Kettle, your chance to hear the news from the people that actually write it. And we have a very interesting topic for those of you who are at all considered in data centers, AI, or any kind of advanced chip production. Now, you may have noticed if you have their shares that Nvidia shares have been going through the roof over the last year. But last week, AMD saw a very big rise as well. Now, this may have something to do with the fact that they spent most of last week talking about their latest family of GPUs, the MI300 series. Now, Tobias, you were there on the ground in San Jose for the actual talks. Can you just fill us in on what exactly has happened? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so last week, uh, as you mentioned, we got a couple of new chips, hotly anticipated chips from AMD. We got a, a GPU uh, called the MI300X aimed at AI, and we got an APU that combines CPU and GPU cores targeted at the high-performance computing market. Um, arguably, if you look at the tech specs, the APU is more important, but the market cares about AI, and so let's talk about that. Yes. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's really where the money is. Uh, mm -hmm. And so the important th takeaway from this is that these are competitive parts in terms of performance, in terms of memory, and this is something that we haven't had from AMDs uh, for two years. They've had great parts for high-performance computing, but they haven't really had anything that could compete with NVIDIA in the AI space until now. And I'm not mm -hmm. talking about, oh, you know, eventually you'll be able to buy these things. These parts are going out to customers now. If They're already want, shipping in volume. They're shipping in volume to select customers, which means the Department of Energy and big cloud service providers like Microsoft. But they are shipping. Uh, and so that's an important thing for anybody who wants to get hardware capable of running large language models, uh, you know, big dense deep learning, uh, you know, applications, because now you have another option on the market. It's not going to be cheap, but mm -hmm. we finally have chips uh, that are not NVIDIA's. Well, I mean, and, you say it's not going to be gonna sit, And they're going to ship before the H200 does from NVIDIA, which is what, next year sometime. Yeah. So they, they have a considerable memory and memory bandwidth advantage, and they can throw out equal or better compute. So that's the name of the game with these chips. I was going to ask Tim, because I mean, uh, Tim, I should explain, is, the editor of, uh, is our editor from the next platform, sister publication, who is, I think you've probably got more experience in this sort of area than pretty much anyone else on the planet when it comes to sort of covering covering the market. So, I mean, what do you think of these? Because it's, I know in the past when we've talked about this, you've been somewhat cynical about how this is progressing. It's taken them a while. I mean, I would say it, it is difficult to do what they've done, and they have kind of leapfrogged um, NVIDIA on manufacturing techniques to mm -hmm. bring to bear a very impressive, well-engineered device. Um, I have asked them in many different ways. It's all great to be able to do that, but are you going to pull a Ponte Vecchio and make something that has such a low package yield that you're, it's amazing that they could build, you know, the Argon <laughs> supercomputer. I yeah. don't mean to be mean, but this is the fact, you know, that packaging was a real problem for them for Intel. And so they are sure, they're pretty sure they can make this thing in volume and in high volume. So what that means is, let's say, you know, the, the beginning of the year, the allocations from NVIDIA for H100s was somewhere around 550,000. And it looks like maybe it's been boosted up to uh, 700, 750. It's not doubled. And maybe next year it'll double again. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's probably the best NVIDIA can do. If AMD can slam down hundreds of thousands of these, their market share is directly proportional to the number they can ship. They're going to mm -hmm. sell them at the same price or better. 
uh, as uh, NVIDIA does. And even if they don't have the entire CUDA stack and everything they need, if it runs PyTorch and it can run Llama 2 and it can run Hugging Face, that is everybody in the enterprise cares about that and that well, only. So they I mean, can have the enterprise. It's, I mean, is the increased competition then going to lead to, I mean, as, we, as economists tell us, increased competition leads to lower prices all around. Do you no. think we're going to see that? <laughs> no, it won't happen. It won't happen until uh, supply is as equal or larger than demand. And right now, demand is probably conservatively three times, four times, maybe it's five times. We don't know. They know. But, mm -hmm. the, you know, the wait time for these things is somewhere between 40 and 52 weeks. So we're yes. still allocating, you know, the allocations for 2024 are probably done. Yeah. <laughs> and we haven't even got there yet. I mean, how long do you think that that supply problem is going to last? Two, three years, maybe? Or yeah, I, is think that it's two. I think it's two because the HBM manufacturers are the real bottleneck and that's the real cost. The co-op mm -hmm. packaging is the other bottleneck and that's yeah. another big cost. The chip itself, it's it's negligible. I know it sounds right. stupid, but, you know, well, yeah, the chip is a quarter of it. Yeah, I mean, you've written a lot about this in terms of how it's not, as you're right, it's not exactly the chip that's, that's causing the problem. It's the packaging and the, and the mm -hmm. tying in and the rest of it. How long yeah. do you think that, how much of a delay do you think that's going to cause? Well, if you go by what TSMC says, and usually they're fairly conservative in their projections, they like to deliver on their promises. Is at the end of 2024, they're going to have enough co-ops capacity. This is this is a packaging technique that all of these AI chips use to bond the high bandwidth memory you need to get that the, the memory bandwidth necessary to run these applications and any amount of performance uh, attached to the chips. And you look at chips like the MI300 series parts, they use a lot of co-ops. They use a lot of advanced packaging, especially compared to NVIDIA. So it could be a, a challenge. I suspect that AMD is going to eat into a lot of what is available for advanced packaging, at least from TSMC. But uh, there's been rumors that, um, you know, these chip makers are also hedging their bets, looking at what other advanced packaging is available. Intel has excellent advanced packaging uh, mm -hmm. technologies that they're trying to sell. Uh, Samsung has some that nobody seems to really want to use. Uh, mm -hmm. And so there are other options on the market and potential for, you know, this uh, shortage to spur, um, you know, competition eventually. But I suspect it's going to be at least a year before we see any of that because it, it just takes a long time to get to that point. Okay. I mean, now, one of the things that I noticed as we're going through the copy was um, basically, uh, benchmarks are really tricky things. You know, it's it's seldom comparing like with like. Now, AMD has made some pretty, you know, major claims about the performance of the of the new GPUs in particular. How realistic do you both think that is? Go ahead, guys. Flops are flops. Uh, how, how, how easily can you unlock them from a software perspective is a challenge. But as Tim was talking about earlier, you know, these things run PyTorch, they run TensorFlow. That most of, most of the code at this point is so abstracted away. Unless you want to do something really low level that requires CUDA or going, uh, you know, uh, you know, into, uh, AMD's, uh, hip. Is it? Yeah. It's hip, uh, you know, yeah. uh, you know, libraries. It's, most people aren't doing that. Most enterprises aren't doing that. They're taking the foundational model, they're fine tuning it, and they're running inference on it. And the fine tuning well, isn't for performance. The fine tuning is for data. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah. I think I think it's really hard to get peak performance out of these things. And the, the best 
demonstrator is the H200. Um, by adding, uh, what is it, 40% more memory, they made the performance go up by 1.7x to 1.9x, which tells me there wasn't enough memory on it to begin with. And if I had yes. paid $30,000 for an H100 and the H200 comes out, I'd be like, hey, how about that upgrade? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's just, it's always the problem. It's the old Osborne problem. It's like if you're over-promising for the next generation, then you're, you know, you're, you're basically shafting your existing customers. Um, and, but I mean, in terms of how the, you know, the actual chip itself is built, because we were talking about packaging earlier. I just want you to get an idea about how memory all ties into this, because that's going to be crucial, but also software, because it, um, with all of these things, if it's fine tuned for AMDs, you know, for, for a chip software, so much the better. But as you pointed out, most users are using common packages. So will software be a factor in, in, in this? Tim, I know you have a lot to say about memory. <laughs> well, I mean, I want more yesterday. I mean, they, you mm -hmm. know, they need taller stacks of high bandwidth memory. Um, they need more SRAM if they can do it. Um, you know, there's a trade-off between having a small amount of memory really close to the compute. And, you know, co companies like Cerebrus and Sambanova and others have architectures that do that. And then, you know, you end up having to scale your model across multiple devices. Um, mm -hmm. But clearly, for those that are using HBM, more is better and faster is better. And, and this is the gating factor for large language models. They are not compute bound. If they could quadruple the memory, they would quadruple the performance, which tells you maybe you need to rethink the way you're doing the memory. And, and that's, you know, if there's anything that I expect in the next couple of generations of GPU accelerators, it's a focus on the memory and not on the compute. They're going to have a tough time with that because they're going to have to explain how their peak flops on their prior generations weren't met. And, oh, right. sorry about that, folks. <laughs> you know, if, if, you, if um, you look at H200, it's, almost, it's basically identical performance in terms of flops to H100. It is all of the additional yeah. performance that NVIDIA is claiming is coming down to more faster high bandwidth memory. That's right. And they're and they're under memoried now, even compared to what AMD is doing. Right. So, you know, I think as we get more HBM suppliers being more aggressive to the extent that they can do that, this market moves. That also means, by the way, mm -hmm. you sell fewer GPUs because it's all about the memory. So if they're selling 700,000 today, if they double the memory, will they sell 700,000 tomorrow? There'll be a day when the memory um, is going to determine how many GPUs get sold. By the way, Intel, two socket servers for how long, right? The memory drove the sale of the two socket server for, I don't know, 15 years. And then someone said, wait, why are we buying two CPUs just to have more memory? Why don't we just get more memory controllers? And AMD said, hey, we do that. <laughs> to add a little bit of context here, the size of model that you want to run is directly proportionate to the memory. Uh, looking at uh, FP8, it's really simple. You know, if you want to run 175 billion parameters, you need 175 gigabytes. If you want to run a trillion parameters, you need a terabyte of memory. And, you know, at 192 gigabytes of, uh, you know, HBM on, you know, one of these MI300Xs, uh, you can run a trillion parameter model on one eight GPU box. Uh, now, inf inferencing, you're going to want a lot more than that if you want to do training. But in terms of inferencing, you can run really, really big models on these nodes because they have put more memory than NVIDIA on them. Okay. Now, from an architecture perspective, what kind of stresses and strains does that put on both manufacturers? 
I mean, in terms of actually building the chips themselves or building the, uh, the, the units themselves. Heavier reliance on advanced packaging is certainly is a, a component of it, is particularly for AMD, because they seem to have looked at the direction this is going and started early on the uh, advanced packaging is inevitable train. Whereas you look at something like the H100 or the impending H200, it's still a monolithic die with a bunch of HVM stacks surrounding it. Now, will NVIDIA eventually have to go to multi-die? Yes, but that's really complicated if you've never done it before. That's interesting. Tim, what do you think on that front? Well, I think I think the problem is that you have a relatively monopolistic vendor who doesn't have to push the gas pedal all that hard. I mean, we saw it with Intel and CPUs, and now we're seeing it with NVIDIA mm -hmm. with GPUs. You know, they're making it up, making up with it with NB Switch and other ways to glue machines together. They're interesting. AMD will have an equivalent with Infinity Fabric. They'll be, you know, I, I've said to them for years, they need Infinity Switch, and they look at me like I'm crazy, but I don't think I'm crazy. It'll be CXL switching, but, you know, running Infinity Fabric protocols on top of it, perhaps when it's all done. And we got some hints of that at, at the AI event uh, in San Jose last week. But, you know, okay. I, think, I think that they're going to be architecturally equivalent. They're going to be economically equivalent. And there will be no reason for that to not be the case. And we'll have real competition. It won't, it won't mean that the prices of the GPUs come down until the prices of the memory comes down and the prices of the COAS come down. And maybe it can never come down. I don't know enough about it to, 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 to decide that. But they'll be in, they'll have a sort of parity. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I, that's something. Well, I mean, it's it's not as though NVIDIA and AMD want to get into a price war over this. Because they do it, not. It, and, yeah. and, this, and the numbers that came out of Lisa Sue last week projecting the size of the market, $400 billion by 2027. You know, I kind of sat there and thought, all right, you know, what did they put in my coffee? Because I thought I heard, <laughs> I thought I heard, say, heard her say four hundred billion. So let me give you some context on that. First of all, and she was just counting accelerators, not just GPUs, but any AI accelerators. And it was data center accelerators. Let's be really precise about that. So right. if you build a server and you put a reasonable amount of main memory and flash and uh, and the accelerators in and some NICs and other things, you double the price. So if it's $400 billion in accelerators, it's $800 billion in servers. Last year, Gartner says we spent 2.35, uh, I'm sorry, $235.5 billion on all of data center infrastructure, oh, okay. storage, servers, and networking. This is a big, big boom. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is crazy town. So, you know, this is as big as Everybody needs to wrap web infrastructure around the mainframe and the Unix servers in, in 1999. Mm -hmm. so everybody needs to wrap AI around, and inference in particular, around their applications. The training, we've said for years that we think that inference would be three or four times what, uh, um, what training is in terms of performance, aggregate performance necessary. When we said that, we weren't thinking about LLMs and the fact that you need 32 GPUs to get reasonable response on a prompt. That wasn't part of anybody's thinking. And then here we are, right? So a lot of that's going to be inference. And that's the real question. How does this work out? So give me one more second. Uh, <laughs> back the numbers out. That's yeah. 2027. That's somewhere between 13 million and uh, 20 million GPUs in a market that might be doing and I'm talking about high-end data center GPUs, not, not yeah. totally like some of these other things that get sold. That's that's a lot more than what we're used to. We're lucky to have what? You tell me, Tobias, is it somewhere around a million of these units being sold a year now? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you do the math on it, $40,000 a pop or, well, depends on how many you're buying and whether or not you're going on eBay to find them. But uh, yeah, it's 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 wild numbers as it is. I mean, to get to $400 billion, that's just insane. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, I get the, get the feeling the market is... As you say, this has all the signs of, of being a very expensive duopoly that is basically going to control the market at the moment. Um, but there's Tranium. <laughs> there's Tranium, there's TPU. So the cloud guys are going to build their own and mm -hmm. use their own, and they'll be cheaper. And if you want it, just like you want to use an, a legacy x86 processor on the cloud today, and I did use the word legacy there, it's... <laughs> It's 30 to 40% cheaper to use a Graviton, and it will be the same for the Microsoft Cobalt, and it will be the same for Google Maple if it ever gets out the door. You know, all of these uh, cloud providers will have a tiered level of service, and they're perfectly happy to pause, uh, pass the cost of using someone else's chip directly to you if you want it. And they're yep. going to make their margin no matter what. Believe me, AWS has got this. <laughs> exactly what they're doing. The well, cloud has made you stop thinking about, am I deploying this virtual machine on an Intel chip or an AMD chip? You don't care. It does mm -hmm. the workload. Uh, and at some point, you're not going to think about, is this running on a TPU? Is this running on Tranium? Is this running on an NVIDIA chip? It's all going to be abstracted away. And it can't work. That's the central problem. And that's a, yeah. it's a problem that's as old as the technology industry. Excellent stuff. Well, thanks very much for explaining us and walking us through that. We're going to obviously be keeping an eye on this to see how it develops, but it does look like AMD has sort of made its big announcements and now it's got to get on with the manufacturing side of things. But thank you very much for joining us on this kettle and um, we shall hopefully have you back very soon. Great to have you, Tim, as ever. And uh, we shall see you at the next kettle. In the meantime, you can find this, you can find this podcast on your usual sources, but why not just watch it on the register site? Thanks very much for joining us.